Amen. Yeah. Woo. The Lord is good. The Lord is here. Amen. Mm. And he is the defender of our heart, our life, all that we are in him. Amen. Amen. So I probably should explain uh, this, all right? Uh, if you're on Facebook, you probably have seen the reasoning already, but it's been an interesting week at our house. Um, Tuesday afternoon, I came home, sat down to change my shoes, and something in my back, very low, low back went boom, and that was it. I felt incredible pain. I could not get up off of the couch. Uh, Heather had to help lift me up, and that was not comfortable. Uh, I sat on a stool the rest of the evening. Um, Truett and Chloe were over, and they probably thought I was happy the whole evening. I wasn't really, but uh, <laughs> went to bed, incredible pain, um, restless night. Uh, I don't go to the men's breakfast on Wednesday morning, which is highly unusual, very disappointing for me. I had something I believe God wanted us to walk through. Uh, he had something different for me to walk through. And so uh, I got up because it was morning and it was time to use the bathroom, just to be honest, right? And I make, it, I make my way to the restroom and um, I'm still groggy and in pain and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to lean over just to flush, you know? And that's about the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember was being on the floor in the doorway at a complete 90 degree angle over this way, hands out, and I come to, and I hear Heather talking on the phone to her dad, and I remember saying, hey, I'm on the floor. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to piece what's going on at that moment, and she came over, and it was a while before I could get enough blood flow back to my brain to figure out what was going on. Uh, got up and had this. And uh, so it was a very difficult Wednesday uh, and part of the day Thursday, but thanks to the help of an athletic trainer and a massage therapist and lots of prayer by faithful friends and family, by Thursday evening, I was walking down the road and moving pretty good. And so here we are today. I, I was fully prepared to just sit on a stool at a table if I needed to today, but the Lord has... Uh, brought lots of healing and restoration, and I'm grateful. So thank you for those who knew and prayed. I appreciate it. God is faithful. Um, so here we are today in our series, Spiritual Adulting, and God has been using this in um, individuals and in our church to take us to new places, and that's what he is all about, to move us to new places in our faith. You weren't saved to sit in some stagnant religious boredom for the rest of your life. You were saved to be ignited with the most glorious, passionate ride for the remainder of your life and eternity with him. And he is careful and wise and strategic to know exactly what each of us need in our path to get to that place. He knows what I need, you need in the way of blessings, in the way of struggle to get us to that place, to mature us, to grow us up, to get us to the place where we're not immature, where we are not stuck on ourselves, where we become sacrificial, forgiving, and we become like Christ. We've talked about this idea that adulting is when you grow up and you begin to assume responsibility for your life. Amen? 
As parents, that's what we want our children to do. We want them to grow up and be able to provide for themselves, pay their own bills, amen? Stop blaming other people for actions. Stop blaming other people for their attitudes. It's getting personal all of a sudden. Uh, Stop depending upon other people to provide for us. Hello? And leave behind focusing on ourselves. That's adulting. That's doing the adult thing. And God is faithful to bring us into challenges and struggles to get us to that place. So when we don't adult, we end up physically maturing or aging, but we sometimes stay emotional, mental, or or spiritual children, really. And God's faithful to bring along circumstances to say, hey, you need to grow up. You're not assuming responsibility. And he'll provide stuff to come along in your life like speeding tickets, hello. He'll, He'll provide stuff like no money. He'll provide stuff like loss of a job. He'll provide stuff like credit card bills bigger than you can pay. He'll provide broken relationships as a way of saying, hey, I've got a better way if you'll grow up in me. Amen? And so when we think about that as adulting, we carry that over and talk about spiritual adulting. God wants us to grow up spiritually as well and begin to provide for our own spiritual food. Amen? So that you... You and I know how to feed ourselves after Sunday morning so that we know how to crack open God's word and hear him speak to us so that we begin to own that responsibility. We own the grace that has been given to us. We own faith that has been handed to us by him. We own our responsibility to grow up in him. We own new priorities and we own change. We do that. This is what spiritual adulting is. And if we respond rightly, God will mature you. He will bless you. But if you do not, then you end up remaining a spiritual child. You you may be a physical adult, but you remain a spiritual child. And the book of Proverbs says that, that God is faithful to bring even struggle into our life to teach us. So you have Proverbs 15:31 that says the ear that hears the rebukes or corrections of life will abide among the wise. Those who walk through life, face challenges and hear God in them, they end up dwelling among wise people. They grow up, they mature. But Proverbs 13, 18 says, poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, who regards a rebuke, but he who guards a rebuke will be honored. God is faithful to bring into our life just what we need, even sometimes in the form of challenge and struggle in order to grow us up. And that's important. You know, as parents, we do our children a disservice if we try to rescue them from every challenge. It's hard because you love your children. You don't want to see them hurt. You don't want to see them cry. You don't want to see their feelings hurt. You you don't want to see them struggle. But struggle is necessary for adulting. And remember, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. Amen? Amen. 
And so they have to go through the struggle. And we are there to show them how to walk through the struggle. You can't give them everything that they need without letting them work. You you can't rescue them from every struggle. You can't baby them with every hurt. It just hurts, though, to see them hurt. Amen? And our role, though, is to help them in their hurts, in their challenges, in their struggles, turn to see God as the one who heals and is their defender. Amen? This is what you do in parenting because this is what God does with us. Have you ever wondered, God, how come I'm still in this struggle when I keep asking you to take it away from me? Do I not have enough faith, God? How come I'm still walking through this struggle? How come I'm still in it? How come you haven't taken this struggle away from me? Because God doesn't always take every struggle away because that struggle is what you were meant to walk through in order to see and know him and grow up in him. Amen? So you don't have to think God has left you because the struggle hasn't gone away. In fact, he's with you to walk you through that struggle and make you into something you can't even imagine today. But you've got to be willing to walk through it with him. Amen? This is spiritual adulting. This is responsibility. And every person has to recognize God's role in that. Every parent must recognize how to do that with their children. And every generation must walk through it. We want to pass on to our children and grandchildren the faith that we have, the freedoms that we have, but what we enjoy came to us as gift, but it came to us through work as well. Amen? You don't have what you have today without having worked for it. Amen? And we have to teach our children that they have to work as well. They have to go through the struggle as well to get what you and I enjoy. And if a generation forgets, if a generation does not teach their children that, then their children will lose the freedoms that they enjoyed as children. Ronald Reagan, on October 27th, 1964, long before he was president, said these words at the Republican National Convention. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Moving words that obviously apply to our nation, 
but there is a principle within them that applies for us in the faith as well to help our children have internalized and own Christ for themselves and grow up in that faith. At the end of our service today, you're going to get to see that as we have a young girl who recently prayed to receive Christ and is going to be baptized. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. So spiritual adulthood comes through challenge. It comes through battle. Therefore, our message today, which was timed and planned before I had a black eye, here's the title. This is the battle you have to fight. Fitting, huh? The Lord is good like that. There is a battle that you and I have to fight. You can't ignore it. You can't remove it. It's essential for you. Not just one, but many. And you're meant to go through one so that you'll be prepared for the next. Because at the next awaits greater glory. At the, at the next awaits greater change. And at the next awaits a version of you that you can't even imagine today. I don't want to be the same next year as I am this year. Amen? I don't. I don't want to be the same next month. I really prefer not to be the same next week. Because we are called in Christ to grow, to change. So we're in 1 Samuel 17 today. Um, I normally have all the verses for you on screen today. I do not. It's a lengthy passage. I didn't want you to get tired reading on screen. I hope you have your Bible with you. hope you have an electronic Bible with you. or you, Either one, you can follow along. I'll be reading. I'll be making some points. We're looking at a story that's very familiar uh, to most Christians and, and probably non-Christians as well. The story of David and Goliath. But the part we're going to look at today is not the actual battle. It's a little bit of the backstory. Uh, it's a little bit of what happens before David gets to the battle. And we're going to see here that God had a battle that David needed to walk through. Because God is going to make David into something he had not been before. He's going to change him into something he probably thought he'd never be. But God will do it because David walks up into the battle. And you and I are called to walk up to the battle that we're facing. And not necessarily ask God to remove it, not run from it, not deny it, not cower to it, but to face it and to walk straight up into it by his power and strength. So we're in 1 Samuel 17. Let's just start in verse 1 through 8 here and kind of get the scene for what's happening. Now the Philistines, which are the Old Testament bad guys, all right, they, this is the ultimate good versus evil setup right here. The Philistines hated the people of God. The Philistines had their own gods. The Philistines were brutal. The Philistines murdered. The Philistines enslaved. The Philistines stole. They were cruel. They were immoral. And it says, now the Philistines gathered their armies together into battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. Verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. It's the ultimate good versus evil. This is the ultimate fight and smackdown. 
Verse three, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Mm, Verse four, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath. I want you to remember that, Gath, where he's from. His height was six cubits and a span. But that in modern terms, he was about nine and a half feet tall. Some say ten. Verse 5, he had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. Uh, Those are not papers and envelopes. That is a a metal coating that he's wearing. And it says it was the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's about 125 pounds. Can you imagine putting on a coat and it's 125 pounds? This man is equipped. This man is ready for battle. Um, Verse 6, he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear, the stick part, was like a weaver's beam. It's like a tree trunk, basically. And from or and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That's about 16 pounds. And the shield bearer went before him. Verse 8, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. It's mm. a big man standing in front of all of Israel. A big army, cruel army, and they are leveled off in battle here. And they want to destroy Israel. Battles come that way sometimes. They come big. They come as a big challenge, bigger than you. Our first point today is this. Your battle will present itself as overwhelming. The battle that you need to walk through, the battle that will get you to the place of greater maturity, the battle that God has designed for you, amen, he's sovereign and does that, it will present itself as overwhelming. It will show up and be bigger than you, louder than you, and seemingly overwhelming to you. This is what they do. They are there to intimidate. They are there to frighten you. That's what the enemy wants to do. But we remember God is the one who is in charge of our lives. Amen? He orchestrates the events of our life. There is nothing that comes into my life that has not come through his hand, and even what appears to be The biggest, baddest battle I could imagine has been designed for us through him. And that's what's happening here for David. Let's go on to verse 9, just one verse here. This giant from where? Gath, remember that. Uh, He continues his his taunting. And he says, if he, this man who's going to come out and fight me, he says, if he is able to fight with me, and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Mm. This battle is going to be an important battle 
because whoever wins this battle becomes the master of the other. Whoever loses becomes the servant of the other. Battles are important like that because they determine what happens next. Some believers walk up to the battle that's in front of them and instead of seeking God and facing that battle and asking for his direction and spirit and power to face it, they cower, they fear, they run, and that battle stays right there. And they go backwards. And they live in who they've always been instead of growing up into who they're supposed to be. They end up being immature. They, say, they stay stuck in their old patterns. They don't have any new revelation of God in their life. They don't have any change that God is doing in their life. They are the same today as they had been for the past two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, because they won't face the battle in the power of God. God has purpose in our battles. And who you, who you yield to will determine who you serve. If you don't face that battle, but you instead bow to it, you'll become its servant. If you won't deal with that financial issue out there, you'll become its servant. If you won't deal with that addiction issue you've got, you'll remain its servant. If you won't deal with that anger issue you've got, that fear issue you've got, that worry issue you've got, that lust issue you've got, that greed issue you've got, whatever it is, if you won't deal with it, you'll remain a slave to it and you won't change. You'll be stuck with that battle, that giant standing in your life. Amen? And God wants to bring you through it. Amen? So what's fascinating to me is this story Goliath is from where? Gath. Yeah, you see, they're standing here today dealing with this giant because some years earlier, another man wouldn't deal with his giants. You go back to the story of Joshua, who was a leader who's leading the people into the land. And God tells them, you're going to have to remove everyone that's in the land. If you don't, you'll end up becoming their slaves. Joshua 11 says, And at that time, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim. These are the giants from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir and Anab. From all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in, in other words, he didn't remove them from Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. If Joshua had done what he needed to do, this generation wouldn't be facing a giant named Goliath. Amen. Come on. There are giants 
that are in our life today that if you won't face it with the power and wisdom and strength of God, not only will you deal with it, but your children will deal with it, their children will deal with it, and their children will deal with it. God calls us to face the giant, face the battle. This is spiritual maturity. Our second point today, your battle will determine your future. It's important to face it with the power of God. If you do not, you will not mature. You will remain the same. You'll keep facing the same struggles. You'll keep being harassed by it. You'll keep hearing its voice. It will stay in your life. Let's move on. 1 Samuel 17, we go to verse 10. It says, And the Philistines, or in the Philistine, this giant said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Those are some nice new King James words that maybe don't grab us like they ought to. Because dismayed means laid out, emotionally broken, mentally confused, completely broken down. They saw the giant, they heard his words, and they were completely broken by them. They were greatly afraid. They were terrified, overcome with anxiety. It was greater than them. They were completely undone at the words of this giant. Skip on down to verse 16, and it says that the Philistine drew near, and he presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Dude, he's proclaiming this message. He's shouting to them, Every day, every night, come on out, face me, bring it on. If I win, you're my servants. You win, I'll be your servant. Not likely. And he is just defying them. He's speaking against their God. He's speaking against their way of life. He's speaking against everything that they believe in. He's speaking against the law that God had given them. He's speaking against the promises that God had given them. He's defying them. He's mocking them. And all that Israel is doing at this point is just sitting in terror. And they are stuck. I don't want to be the people of God in this generation hearing the voice of a giant today shouting at us and us be dismayed and greatly afraid. Amen? It's not time for that. It never is time for that. It's time for us, the church, to grow up, wise up, step up, stand up into the promises and say, oh yeah, coming for you, giant. This is our day. This is our time. Armies of Israel were letting one voice stop them from believing and standing in who God had called them to be. Your battle will be first to defeat intimidation. That's our point for this part of the message. There's a battle that stands in front of you today. I know that not because a friend texted me and told me that about you. 
I just know this is life as a child of God. There's a battle. Everybody has one. Everybody has at least one right now. There's something in your life that stands in front of you that is bigger than you, louder than you, and is overwhelming to you. And God has a purpose for that battle in growing you up. But the first thing that will be important is for you to win the battle over intimidation. It's part of the battle strategy of the old covenant, really, and and the new covenant. Before you can face your battle, you've got to know that you have victory in this battle. You've got to know that it's not bigger than God. It may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. It's interesting in the Old Testament that God told Moses this when he go into battle. Here's what he said in Deuteronomy. He said, when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you. He brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle, when you're about to face your giant, that the priest should approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart fail. Do not be afraid. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So the first thing you and I have to win the battle over is just the intimidation factor. Because that often stops us in our tracks. The problem is big. It's loud. It's relentless. It seems overwhelming. It seems unwinnable. And in that moment, it's so easy to panic, to worry, and to fear. But God says, I'm going to take care of the battle, but I need you to not be intimidated by it. I need you to stand up in front of it. If not, you'll never get past the battle. Back to our chapter, verse seven, chapter 17, verse 20, we're going to skip down to. It says that there was a little boy named David. Now, let's put some perspective here. David is a shepherd boy at this time. He's a young teen, okay? He's young enough that he's not in the battle. He's a shepherd back home. He's got a whole family of brothers, and they're all in battle. And David gets sent to bring some lunch and supplies to his brothers. How about that? You're the little brother. You're the guy that they've all looked down on. They're all big. You're small. They're all in battle. You're with sheep. But God's been working in David all this time. Verse 20 says, so David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper and he took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him, his dad, And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, 
came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. I love the sentence right there. So David heard them. It's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to hear it. And this is an important moment right here. David is fresh on the scene. He's heard reports. He's been with the sheep. He had supplies and he brought them. But what happens in this moment is critical because it's going to help David be propelled to the next level. It's going to help David grow up. And what happens here is critical for you and I if we want to grow up in the faith. David had to leave who he had been in order to become who he would be. He had to leave being a shepherd, and he had to leave being the supply guy. So our point in our series today is your battle will require leaving who you've been. You can't expect to win the battle in front of you with the same resources you've always had and the same person you've always been. Because God is trying to get you to a new place. And why would we think that this new challenge wouldn't require greater faith, greater trust, greater wisdom? Because a new challenge takes you to a new place, but you can't rely on who you've been. You're going to have to take what you've been, bring it forward, trust in God, and face this giant head on. But that means some change has to occur. That means you can't be who you've always been. You can't keep up the same lifestyle, the same habits, the same groups that you run in necessarily. It requires repenting and changing to face what's in front of you. David left the sheep. David left the supplies because he was about to become a conquering soldier. If you and I want to become more than what we've been, you've got to be okay with walking up into a new challenge that you've never faced before. This is a place, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but this is a place where I sometimes get stuck because I come to this moment and I think about all I have at my disposal. Battles I've won before. Those are important. In fact, God's going to use those for David. But in this moment, this battle is bigger than anything I've faced. This year, you know my story, walking through COVID. It was a bigger experience and battle than I'd ever faced before. There were times in the moment I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know that I have the faith, the strength, and the emotional ability to make it through this. So I had to rely on God to give me something I didn't have in the moment. And then he let me walk through it and to become something I had not been before. Don't look at your current circumstances with your current resources. 
Look at the battle in front of you and look to God who will give you what you need. Amen? That is where the change happens. That is where growth occurs. It's it's really how God grows us up. He grows us up in a very systematic way. Your life is not random. Your spiritual life is not random. God has a purpose in it. God works all things to, together. Yeah, he does. He works at all things together. I, I love what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, no, no, no. Let me go back to another. Let me go to another one here. I love what he says in Isaiah. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make understand truth? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. God teaches in process. Your life is not random, it's not chaotic, it's not chaos. It is strategically ordered by God so that there is truth for you to learn here, faith for you to receive here. And when you receive it and walk in it, you'll walk. New challenge, new grace, new faith, new hope, new purpose. Walk through it, learn it. Learn the lesson, move on. Battle in front of me, great. Line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, new faith, new strength, new hope. Obedience, change, I move on. This is what you and I are called to. There is a connection between all that is happening in your life and what God has for you. They are not random and they're not disconnected. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on in our story here. Verse 24. Um, it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, give him his daughter and his father's house, exempt from taxes in Israel. Ah, What a deal, no taxes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm holding back on some really funny political jokes right now. So... But I'm enjoying them inside. That's great. Uh, Verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David puts it to him. And he says in verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner saying, so it shall be done for the man who kills. In other words, they told him about the daughter and they told him about the no taxes and all of that. And verse 28 says, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard heard he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride, your insolence, and your heart for you have come down just to see the battle. You're just a boy. You got tired of seeing PlayStation battle games and you wanted to come see it in person, didn't you? Yeah, I know who you are. Verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? In other words, this is the way you always treat me, big brothers. And all the 
last born said amen. Amen. And David makes a statement here that I just love. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose? Isn't there a reason that we're down here? Isn't there something bigger than your fear? Is there not a cause that we should get up and fight? Is there not a cause that we should trust our God? Is there not a cause that we should stand up and say something to this? What are you people doing sitting here afraid? Do you not remember who we are? We're the people of God. We're the people of God who have been delivered in our past, who God is still in our present and he has a purpose for our future. Yes, there's a cause. Yes, there's a purpose. What are you doing? Verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, the king. And he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You and your bad old army, Saul, they're not moving a muscle. I'll go. I'll do it. Mm. Our next point in our story here this morning is this. Your battle is part of a much bigger cause. That thing that stands in front of you, that thing that you have resisted dealing with, that thing that has seemed to overwhelm you, that thing that you can't seem to kick, that thing that you can't figure out how God's gonna give you victory in it, look, that is part of a much bigger purpose. It has purpose, it's not random. It has been aligned and designed just for you. And there's a connection. There's a connection with what God is saying and that event. There's a connection with what God wants to do in your life and this battle. There's a great connection in it. And if you'll figure out what God has to say to your heart about who you are and what you're called to, you can face this battle and march on through it. But if you're trying to leave him out of it, which the army was doing, if you're just thinking we're just a bunch of bad army dudes over here and we can't figure out how to face this battle, you won't win that battle. But when you know who you are in Christ, you'll, you'll face any battle that comes your way. Amen? Your battle is part of a much bigger cause. It's a cause for your future. It's a cause for your children. Your children's children. It's a cause for the name of Christ. It's a cause for the kingdom today. It's a cause for the future of the church. It's a cause for the future of our nation. I hope you are not watching the events of our day and deciding it's best to just stick your head in the sand and do nothing. Come on now. Let's don't be the armies of Israel and look at a giant and hear his intimidating voices and cower. Let's don't be dismayed and greatly afraid. Let's be like David who said, I've never faced a giant like this before. But I know who my God is, and I know what he has for me, and I'm going to walk right up in the face of this giant and do what he called me to do. Amen. You may not know how to proceed next in battle. That's okay. God's not looking for your perfect plan. He's looking for your perfect obedience. And when you'll say, yes, Lord, he'll show you what Lord to do, right? He'll show you what's next. He'll tell you what to do next. You say, well, I... I'm not really involved politically. So what? David had never been involved in the military either, but he was about to be. In fact, he was going to become king because of this moment. Don't say you don't know. God will put you in places and make you things you can't imagine today. Amen?
Are you with me still? All right. There's a purpose for your battle. It's not, it's not random. It's not unrelated. It's very intensely related to the work that God is doing in your life. Back to our story, verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. You're a child, boy, and he a man of war from his youth. I bet Saul's feeling pretty good about himself right now. You're a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. He probably rocked back on his throne and thought, dude, I'm a wordsmith. You're a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. That's what intimidation will try to do to you and tell you you're a child. You can't do anything. You won't amount to anything. You have no purpose in this battle. You won't go anywhere. But there is purpose. There is purpose in the battle. Verse 34. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Ooh. David said, look, you may not think I have strength, I have might. Let me tell you my resume. You see, I was a shepherd. I cared for sheep. You care for a nation, and you can't even care for it. That's what my words added. David says, look, I used to care for sheep. And when a lion would come or a bear would come, and he uses this picture of the lion. He said, when the lion would come and he would take the sheep, I didn't say, oh, well, at least there's 99 others. He said, no. He said, I went after it. I went after that sheep, and I grabbed that lion. I grabbed it by its beard. Now, I know you probably are saying, lions don't have beards. The word here is used for a mane. And so the, David goes up, little boy David, probably a young teen at this time, faces a lion, grabs it by its mane right up under his mouth and just yanks it down, grabs that sheep out of there, takes it back, and then kills that lion. He kills that bear that comes into his path. And David says, I know what to do when bullies come around. I know what to do when they come and take my people, my sheep. I face the giant. It may be bigger than me, it may be louder than me. It may seem overwhelming to me, but I know my purpose, I know my sheep, and I know my God, so watch out. And David said, I have a good resume. I keep my sheep. How about you, Saul? And so Saul is stunned in the moment here. And so our next point this morning is this. Your battle has been prepared for this moment. For David, this was the moment he had been built up for. This was the moment he had trained for. He didn't know it. He didn't understand it. He didn't put it together until this moment. And all of a sudden he realized, lion, bear, 
Goliath. Got it. Lion, bear, Goliath. Bigger, louder, overwhelming. Got it. Not afraid of it. Done it before. Got the t-shirt. I'm wearing it now. Done it. Right? Verse 36, 37. Let's start wrapping this up. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine, this man who defies the ways and armies of God, will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, hey, go on. The Lord be with you. He changes tune all of a sudden. This is how you fight your battles. This is how you face what's in front of you. You don't run. You don't cower. You pray. And if God says, I want you to face it, you face it. You face it in his strength. And of course the battle in front of you is bigger than the battles behind you. It's supposed to be that way because it's going to make you into something you haven't been before. And you have to go through it. I can't go through it. Someone else can't go through it for you. You have to walk through it. Don't deny it. Don't walk away from it. Turn to God in it. And I believe when we do, we will become a church full of victory story after victory story after victory story. All praise to God because he'll be the one who brought us through the battle. Amen? Let's bow our heads. I don't know what battle you're facing today. I only know that you're facing a battle. I know it's bigger than you. I know it's louder than you. I know it's overwhelming. It's supposed to be. But there is a God who is bigger than it, who speaks louder than it, and is more overwhelming than it. Would you trust him today and say, God, I know you have my life in your hands. So this giant in front of me is only part of the process of what you're wanting to make in me and through me. And so, God, I'm willing to face the giant. I'm willing to face the battle. And, God, it won't be by my strength but by your strength. It won't be my, by my spirit, but by your spirit. Father, this morning I ask you to give us the courage of the boy David, who though he had never been into an army situation, he'd been in battle, and you had prepared him for this moment. I believe you sovereignly prepare your children for the moment that they stand in a battle. So there's no battle in this room before any one of us that you have not already gone before and prepared the way for and you have a purpose in it. May we be spiritual adults. Face it. Stand in faith against it and know you will bring about victory. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the one who has conquered all. Amen and amen. Awesome.
So let me have uh, Samantha and the Andreessons and family all come on up here. Yeah. Y'all give a hand to them. Yeah. Yeah. We can start down here. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or you can, yeah. Good. Good. So this is Samantha right over here in our lovely made new baptism shirt. Yeah. Her and her mom came and talked to me maybe a week or so ago, and she told me that they had had a conversation at home about what it means to have Jesus in her heart. And she asked lots of questions, and she wanted to make that happen. She wanted to ask Jesus into her heart to follow him with her life, and she wanted to be baptized too because she had seen other people do that here. So we talked about it, and I believe Jesus has spoken to her heart. I believe Jesus lives in her heart, and what we're about to see today is just evidence of that. Amen? And I was so uh, encouraged that this happened. It didn't happen in my office. It happened in their home. It tells me that Jesus is a part of the discussion at home. Jesus is a reality in their home. And so I thought that was just beautiful. So uh, with my back situation this week, uh, we talked and I said, maybe you should do the baptism, Dad, or he suggested it. Yeah, he's strong. So we're going to tag team this deal today. This is Andrew Andreessen. And he's going to be baptizing his daughter, Samantha, and mom and sister are going to join up on stage and be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? All right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to be the hands, and I'm going to be the voice today. How about that? It's tag team. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Samantha, I'm so proud of you for your decision to accept Christ into your life. And this, this water is a picture, like we talked about, of Jesus dying for you and Jesus being raised for you to pay for your sins so that you could know him. And it's a picture of your old life and a new life. You're going to be buried in the water here in just a moment and raised up in new life. And it'll be a great picture for you, for mom and dad and sister, but also for all of us. I want you to look out here to all these people. Yeah, look at all of them. They're looking and they're praying for you and they're very happy for you because you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ with your life. So Samantha, you're buried today in baptism. Yeah, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. Yeah. 